Smarties, we're really excited about these next two episodes. Today, you're going to hear our conversation with Jackie, who is a mom in my practice. This is Rachel, and my practice is CAP Educational Therapy Group in Beverly Hills, California. I work with her daughter, Mia, and we go through the journey that Mia has taken through the world of educational therapy. Jackie also shares how ed therapy has transformed and improved home life. We also talk to her about how extraordinarily coachable Jackie and her husband, Alex, are and how that has made educational therapy really blossom. Next week, you'll get to hear from Mia herself. We are so excited to have these two episodes back to back, and I have loved the opportunity to get to work with this family. I'm so glad that they said yes to our invitation to come on and share their experiences. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 97 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. And today we're so excited to welcome Jackie on the podcast. Jackie is a mom in my practice, CAP Educational Therapy Group in Beverly Hills. And I've been working with Mia, her daughter, on and off since 2017. We'll get into what happened that caused us to take a break around 2018. And we're really just excited to have Jackie here today because you'll get to hear the parent perspective in today's episode. And next week, Mia is joining us for her episode, mm, which we've yeah. already recorded. It's yes. going to be great. So welcome, Jackie. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, for sure. Our pleasure. You said she started in third grade. So what was going on leading up to that point? So basically, Mia was struggling in school, specifically in math. And both in first and second grade, we thought that something was happening, but we couldn't quite put our finger on it. And we were sort of throwing money against the wall, like darts to see what would stick. We tried tutors. We tried different things. We tried visual therapy. And then we decided to do neuropsych testing because we realized that we didn't have any answers and we needed somebody to quarterback this for us. And when we did neuropsych testing, we realized that Mia had issues with memory interference and a little bit of the attention part of attention deficit and that facts were just going through her head. And so if something needed to be added or subtracted, she wasn't sure which rule to use. Mm. So she was very much struggling. But the thing that really was the crux of bringing her in was that her self-esteem had started to plummet. And she was saying things like, I'm so stupid. I should die. I can never be able to do math. And writing them on her tests, frankly, to her teachers. Mm. So the minute we heard that, you know, we jumped on it. And we realized through the testing that we would need some sort of educational therapy more than just a math tutor. We needed somebody who could look at the whole child and look at everything that was going on, including the feeling of resilience and the feeling of failure that Mia was having. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Jackie, had you heard of educational therapy before it was recommended? So I had. I had heard of it in the 80s when my brother, frankly, needed it. And it didn't really help him. But I think it's because he had other underlying issues that weren't being taken care of because in the 80s, they just didn't know the things that they know today. Mm -hmm. So I had heard of it. And I had known one or two people that I'd grown up with who had gotten into it as ed therapists. But I thought it was more testing. Mm. And I that there was a sort of tutor helpful component as well. The remediation piece. Correct. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Was Mia open to getting help at that time? No, Mia was not open to any of this. Mia was difficult and angry and angry at us and angry at having to need help and was very, very resistant and also very embarrassed, frankly. She thought that there was something really wrong with her. And we kept trying to say to her, it's good to get help. That's what help is for. We can fix this. It doesn't have to be so difficult and you don't have to be perfect all the time, like all first children. (laughs) Yeah, she was absolutely angry, but I think she was really just angry at herself because what Jackie hasn't shared is that Mia is exceptionally bright and exceptionally socially adept. So she was hyper aware of what was happening and the differences she was having from her peers. So yes, she was mad at everybody, but she was also really mad at herself too. That's hard, especially as a little guy in third grade. Yeah. When you start feeling that that young, I mean, bravo to you to getting help early so that it didn't get worse. You wouldn't have a sixth grader right now with school refusal, Mm -hmm. which is often what happens. So I'm curious, when you first met with Rachel, what sort of goals did you come in and together decide this is what really needs to happen? Well, it was a learning process. I would say our first goal was to shore up her feelings of insecurity. We actually cared more about her social emotional than we did about her math scores because we knew that, to Rachel's point, she's extremely bright and we knew that we could get that figured out. But we really wanted to shore up her feelings and make sure that she knew she was supported. And so we really felt strongly that we wanted to work with somebody who could be both the practical, like she could actually help Mia with her math and give her skills, but also the more nebulous where the child sees that you don't have to react like this and that help can be given and help can be accepted. And so the social emotional was for sure the biggest part for us. We did a combination in the beginning. We had to address Mia's mindset Mm -hmm. and we did a lot of growth mindset work in the beginning. Then I also had to couple it with the math remediation because once she saw that she could do it, everything was going to improve simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. And that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. As you look at the whole child and as you're working on the social emotional piece, yeah, in one setting it feels better, but if you're still failing at school and you can't catch up, you start to feel like, wait, I'm never going to get there. So now you guys will see where me is at next week when you listen. Mm -hmm. But I know it was a little bit of a bumpy road to begin with with Mia, especially in 2018. And can you talk a little bit about what happened and why you guys made the decision to take a break? Sure. So in 2018, Mia was doing much better and she sort of started to feel, I think, frankly, a little bit cocky that she's like, I got this. I don't need help anymore. I don't have to pay attention. I can be silly. And she really wasn't giving her all in her sessions with Rachel And Rachel was frankly getting frustrated, as she should, because week after week, and we were going at this point twice a week, Mia would come in unprepared or put her head on the desk and shut down. And we were doing, you know, other ancillary work outside of Rachel to sort of help her with resiliency and growth mindset. And Mia just gave up, frankly. And she got in her own way, mm-hmm. <laughs> which she knows she and I talk about that sometimes, you know, you get in your own way in life. And she stopped participating. And so Rachel called Alex and I, my husband, and said, you know, we have a problem and this isn't working and I'm not going to work with her right now if she isn't going to meet me in the middle. And it wasn't that she had done poorly, it's that she just stopped engaging. So 
we stopped seeing Rachel and Mia's math confidence went off a cliff and Mia was panicked about it. Mm -hmm. So we told her that she still needed help and we hired just a tutor, which is exactly what we didn't want to have a young kid. And we went through two or three of them because Mia couldn't connect with anybody and they didn't help her the way Rachel had helped her. And she became very frantic and said, mommy, we have to get Rachel back. What are we going to do? And I said, I don't know, Mia, I'm not going to be able to help you with this one. Rachel and I and daddy were disappointed about how you were acting And I don't know if Rachel can even take us back right now. Rachel was busy with other things. So I think what happened is, and Rachel, correct me if I'm wrong Mm -hmm. on the sequence, but we happened to be at the mall and Rachel Mm -hmm. was there and Mia saw Rachel and went running up to her and said, I'm so sorry, I've made a terrible mistake. Can I please come back? What I will add was, I feel like it's the best decision we ever made because we gave her a consequence for her choices and her behaviors. And so we just sort of caught up at the mall. And then Mia sent me an email. She went online. She found my email. And she said, I'm really sorry. Can I please come back? And she did that without me. Yes. And then I think I called you and I said, let's figure this out because that's what we needed. We needed her buy-in. We needed her to understand that this was a privilege that she gets to come to educational therapy and that I only have so many hours. And so we figured it out and it was a very different relationship almost from the get go. Mm -hmm. So it was a hard decision, but it was the right decision because ultimately it got Mia to open up and expand and that if she chooses to shut down, there are consequences to that. And so there will be times I can see that she wants to go in that direction now, but she doesn't anymore. And she can pull herself back and talk herself through it and get herself back into the zone of the work that needs to get done in session. 100%. Which is huge. Having that growth mindset to be able to actually use it now. She knows where it is and be able to hone in on it. And, you know, one of the things that in Mia's case also was that meds played a role in this whole scenario. So what happened with all of that? So I have to say, and a lot of people fight this, but meds were the greatest thing that ever happened to us along with Rachel, because the two together in concert allowed her brain to create the space to learn. And she was able to take in the input and the advice and the help that Rachel was giving her. So meds have been life-changing for us. I, of course, fought it like every parent does and went into a panic spiral about it. But my husband, who's very practical, said, Jackie, we've just paid several thousand dollars of educational testing and to not listen to the advice of the person that does this day in and day out would be foolish. He's like, we might have all burned a pile of money. And he said, we're trying this. And we worked with a wonderful, wonderful, gentle psychiatrist who started us on a very low dose of one medication. And it has been life-changing and she's never left this medication. She's gone up in dosage as she's gotten older and as the titration has changed because she's bigger. But she said to us on the first day, she's like, mommy, my brain wanted to tune out and I wouldn't let it. It just went zip and I had to concentrate. And he knows the difference. She can tell the difference for herself between being on meds and not being on meds. At this point, we tend to take breaks on weekends because she's been on them for three years and she knows when she needs them and when she doesn't, but she can tell the difference and that was life-changing. So I would say for anybody out there who's worried about it, 
that it is as simple as putting on glasses when you can't see. The meds do not stay in your system. They're out by the end of the day. And they allowed Mia to open up completely to the experience of getting help. She's a different kid. She's a different kid. I thought we would end with that. She's a different child. From third grade to sixth grade, it is like I have a different child. I used to feel so guilty that I had to get all of this help. And what was I doing wrong? And I made it all about myself because I'm a... Mm of narcissists, but mothers <laughs> are guilty, mm-hmm. feel guilty all the time. And I can honestly say to see how much she's grown and her growth mindset and her happiness and her engagement and her confidence. Math is her favorite subject right now. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? No, none of us. She's an awesome kid. I have a very awesome, lovely child. You do. Oh, that's nice. And you guys will see too. She is lovely. Mm-hmm. You'll see next week. How have things changed in your home as a result of ed therapy? Our home is just a bit more peaceful. Homework isn't a battle. We know if something's going to be touchy that Rachel and Mia can do it together. Alex and I have learned to step back and give her space. We try to be helium parents, so we try to not jump in all the time to solve problems. Mia's been really good about reaching out to Rachel directly and saying, I have a test, I'm feeling nervous, I don't know what to do. And Rachel, to her credit, will email her back immediately while Mia's at school and remind her that she's got this. And then Mia will go into the test situation and she will remember that she's got this. So having the sort of safety wings of Rachel behind her has given her the chance to soar. It happened even two weeks ago. Mia was panicked about a test. She felt that she hadn't prepared. She didn't tell us there was a test. She didn't tell Rachel. She kind of went in blindly. And we were all a little frustrated with her, but it was a great natural consequence because she rallied. She emailed Rachel. Rachel gave her the support she needed. And she did really well on the test, surprising herself because she thought she wouldn't. So it was a nice sort of consequence for her to say, you didn't prepare but you were still there and you were able to take the test. I think old Mia would have just shut down and not even bothered. I couldn't agree more. This whole reaching out thing is really happened in the last month. Weekly, she's emailing me, kind of letting me know what's going on at school and giving me a heads up. This wasn't happening when we recorded Mia's episode. So that's an update from that. And I do appreciate her doing that because it's her taking responsibility for what happens in our sessions. She's giving me a heads up. And that's what we really want to be seeing as we move through the different phases of educational therapy, as we've identified them from the assessment time of us getting to know each other to the skill building time to the competency phase, which I think Mia is absolutely at that point. She's very independent. I'm not doing a lot of teaching in session, meaning she's coming in, she's understanding material that is being taught in class, which was amazing because for a long time I was pre-teaching her information. I don't do any of that anymore. She is a student sitting in the class learning alongside her peers, which was and is the ultimate goal. Yeah. So we've seen Mia just sort of take responsibility and accountability for her own academic success now. For a sixth grader? That's huge. It's wild for me to think of Mia as a third grader because even in third grade, she didn't really present as a third grader. So can you talk about that challenge a little bit of having a kid who just presents more mature and older? 
Rachel hit it on the head. Mia's always been older than her years. She is an old soul. And so a third grade Mia could have a conversation with an adult like a 15 or 16 year old. So it was hard because you would expect her to act differently. And then when she would act like a child, you'd say, wait, I'm so confused. So that's been hard for both Alex and I, because she does act mature and she does have a lot of self-possession and is able to look inward and say, wow, what am I bringing to the table? How can I be of help? But she's also her chronological age. And so with her chronological age comes the lack of experience and the fact that she's eight or nine or 10. And so I think if that was the only thing that's been difficult, it's that you're dealing with a child that in some ways is so mature, you think you're speaking to a 40-year-old Yenda. And then in the other way, you remember she's eight, nine, 10, or 11, whatever age she is when you're having the conversation. So it's been a challenge. And going back to when we took a break, I think that's a perfect example of childish thinking where she didn't realize that what she was doing was actually frustrating Rachel and frustrating the process. And to Rachel's credit, she didn't give up on us and said, you know, after a week, I can't do this. It had been months of her trying to work with Mia and having parent conversations with us and us talking to Mia, the four of us talking, and that Mia just sort of couldn't get over that hump. So the break, Mia saw that we weren't joking around, that she needed to step up. And I think that was her being little. Yeah. You know, she was 10 years old. Often when we're having the parent conversations, we'll be talking about something that happened and then one of us will go, okay, She's still only this old. Exactly. Like we have to remind ourselves that, and sometimes we have to remind her teachers too. Yeah. That because she does present older, she looks older, she acts older. We have to go to the place of, no, 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 she's this old right now. And this is normal for that age. Yeah. She's still a kid. Yeah. Which is totally normal. And what you want. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's the phrase, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Exactly. So true. Jackie, what would you tell parents who are struggling with their child right now in school and listening to this podcast or considering educational therapy and thought, oh, I'm not sure if it's for my child? What advice would you give them? The first piece of advice I would give is, if possible, to do some sort of neuropsych testing, either through your school district or privately, if you could afford it, because it will give you a true picture of how your child learns. And once you have that picture, everything becomes more clear. If you're constantly going up against a wall, it's probably time for neuropsych testing so you can figure out what's happening. Then educational therapy is a wonderful gift to give a child because it's both the practical tutoring and the more therapeutic, let's build up the whole child and work on the social emotional as well as the practical. I think educational therapy has been life-changing for Mia. I think it has changed her mindset. She is more resilient. And the younger you can do it and start to incorporate these feelings, the child inherently then takes them on herself, as we've talked about previously, with her now taking initiative and reaching out to Rachel. Anytime you know something is wrong with your child, you are your child's best advocate. And the teachers can tell you, oh, nothing's wrong, or they're at grade level, which is what was happening to us in first and second grade. But we knew something wasn't right. Yeah, I'm so glad we listened to our gut because I think if we didn't, we'd have a sixth grader who's completely withdrawn and would be quite frankly, just flailing in so many ways. And now she's got like a short up foundation that will take her into the next series and sets of grades and parts of life. 
you know, negotiating school is how you learn how to negotiate the world, business meetings and working and seeing how she's negotiating for herself makes Alex and I feel so proud of what a kick-ass kid we have who can negotiate for herself with Rachel and with teachers and God willing will then be able to do that in college and work and onwards. I am impressed by Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was very eloquent. I see where Mia gets it. One thing I want to add is that you and Alex are extraordinarily coachable. And this is unique. And I note it because my partnership with you guys is very different from other parents who are maybe more resistant. And maybe it's Alex's philosophy of like, no, we're paying experts. We're going to listen to experts. But can you talk about that a little bit about how being coachable has impacted your relationship with Mia? For sure. I think Alex and I take the sort of parenting lens of we don't know anything or everything. You don't get a handbook and we're learning right along with our child. So anytime somebody who has knowledge and does this day in, day out, we're going to listen to them. The school also always commends us, the teachers, for being the kinds of parents who don't blame and don't attack and take the advice. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're trying to help our child and it's not about our egos. And sometimes as a parent, you have to get your own ego out of the way to know that what an expert is saying should be listened to. Unfortunately, I think we live in a time of everybody thinks they're you know, a doctor because of Google or a teacher or any sort of expert. I'm waiting for people to decide they can now fly planes. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. So when Rachel and our neuropsychologist gave us advice, we took that advice and also I had had several friends who had paid for neuropsych testing and not done anything with the results and their kids are flailing and I'm watching them fail in front of me. And even though I'm trying not to, I'm judging them because they were given a playbook and they decided they knew better. And I see how poorly their children are doing even today. So I never wanted to be that parent. I wanted to be the parent that makes sure my child feels supported and has the tools that he or she needs to be successful. That was really important to Alex and I because we are a great team and we hire great people to be part of our team. Mm -hmm. It does take a village, right? We call our team Team Mia and it's the teachers, it's Rachel, it's Mia, it's us. And when we have an issue, we'll email the teachers and we're very conciliatory and we say thank you for being part of Team Mia so that people know that it's not just one person. It's a group of people giving our child the help and resilience that she needed because she really needed it. And now she's soaring. So proud of her. That's awesome. I wish we could have had a crystal ball back when we met that first time into what this episode would be, because I don't think you guys would have believed it. And I mean, this hasn't been an overnight. No, not at all. The goal was always for her to be independent and autonomous advocate for herself. She goes and asks teachers at school for their time too. She doesn't wait necessarily to see me. And we did go from two sessions to one session a week. You guys weren't so sure about that, right, Jackie? I was very nervous because we had a good thing going and Mia felt supported, but Rachel was convinced that we could do it and we've done it and it's been wonderful. And I'm almost wondering. We never want to leave Rachel and Mia feels very confident having her and hopefully we'll be with her as long as Mia needs. But Mia's doing so well. And like Rachel said, asking for help from teachers proactively, 
doing her work proactively. We've given her a long leash and she's really made us proud. She's really hanging in there and doing really well and doing work on her own without needing to be told. And I would have never thought that would have happened in third or fourth grade at all. Game changer. She's really thriving. And it will be two steps forward, three steps forward, five steps forward, and then she'll stumble. Like we always talk about. And when these stumbles happen, she's the one that puts the pieces back together again. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you're saying that because you've said it to us a lot on the phone and I sometimes forget that. I'm the kind of parent, I'm like, okay, we've crossed that off our list, move on. And Rachel will say, Jackie, think it'll be two or three steps forward and then there will be a stumble and it's going to be okay. And that's been very helpful for me as a parent because I tend to forget that. I tend to forget that there is a part of raising children that is quote unquote for now. They're sleeping night for now. They're doing well for now. They might need help for now. And I tend to forget that because I'm such an all or nothing thinker. So when Rachel brings that to the forefront, it always calms me down because I can remember, oh, we've been through something like this. We'll get through it again. Yeah. And then when it happens, my hope is that you'll go to that place in your mind. Rachel told us this would happen. Correct. And she'll recover. We do. Good. Actually, another takeaway to think about is An ed therapist is good for the parents too, because (laughs) they are able to see so many children and so many dynamics that they can normalize for you what is normal and what does need attention. And that's been wonderful. Rachel is sometimes a therapist for me because I feel panicked. We can all tell I'm not exactly the calm one. (laughs) You'll be able to say, let's talk this through. And when we do, I feel like, okay, we're back on a path and we're good. So if you are considering ed therapy, it's something to realize that it actually helps and benefits the whole family because your child is successful, but you as parents feel a bit of success as well. And I think a lot of the conversations that we have, it's less the academic and more the social emotional and how do we help her navigate that stuff that she's going through right now. And so it's painful for both of us sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Sixth grade is rough. Yeah. Right. It's rough. So is there anything else you want to add, Jackie? I just have loved this experience being part of an ed therapy relationship with you, Rachel, and having your ear and your wise counsel for our family and seeing our child be a different child. I mean, the writing is on the wall. The actual change from third to sixth has been astronomical. And it allows me to tell other friends who are on the fence oh, you need to try this. You need to try meds if that's on the table because it'll be life-changing. I have three years of experience. And again, this is my first child. So even my second child is benefiting tangentially from ed therapy because some of the executive functioning that he lacks, we are able to catch now and mm-hmm. and help him with skills that we learned from Rachel without paying for it twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is what we say is like when one child comes home with certain skills, the other child either sees it or the parent sees it and it shifts how things are happening. It's so true. I think parents just need to trust their gut and their experts that are around them. If they are able to get help, take the help. Don't fight the help. That's really my key takeaway. Yeah, we agree so much. Sometimes I'll email a neuropsychologist or clinical psychologist who sent a referral and usually their reaction is, I'm so glad they called. Because I do think a lot of the times getting the parent to do the neuropsych can be difficult and then getting them to take the advice of the nurse, it whittles down at each step. Right. So eventually they do call is what happens. They get desperate. Yeah. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for doing this with us today. 
Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It was nice to meet you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I really loved it. I hope if you ever have me back, I'm happy to come. (laughs) (laughs) And I know Mia is definitely listening to this episode. So hi, Mia. Hi, Mia. (laughs) (laughs) She will want to know what mom said. For For sure. sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would too. We're going to listen to both of them. You have something like 25,000 listeners. (laughs) (laughs) My friends have told me about it. Like, Dad, are you listening to Rachel? Well, thank you so much, Jackie. Yes, thank you. If you or your child are interested in working with one of us in our practices, that's CAP Educational Therapy Group in Beverly Hills. You can go to CAP Ed Therapy, K-A-P-P edtherapy.com or My Ed Therapist in Redondo Beach, and that's myedtherapist.com, M-Y-E-D therapist.com.